Have you ever shared your salary transparently with others? Chances are you haven't. Today's guest, though, decided to do this and publicly. You will learn why he decided to share his salary publicly and what happened as a result. Bienvenida to the Her Dinero Matters podcast, a mixed language podcast hosted by me, Jen Hemphill, to help you become the reign of your money and love your dinero more. If you are needing some inspiration and encouragement at this very moment, you have come to the right place. Gracias por compartir este tiempo conmigo. Now let's jump in to today's dose of money confidence. So much for being here. This is Jen Hempel, your host. And I want you to imagine for a moment going into your place of work, actually going into the break room, and you start having conversations with your coworkers. And some of those conversations involve what you each are making, the money that you are making at your job. I want you to imagine that for a moment. Maybe it's hard to imagine because it's not happening, but try for a moment to imagine what it would feel like. Maybe it may bring some discomfort because it isn't common to share, but it also probably would be a sense of relief as well because it gives you that confidence that you aren't leaving money at the table or that you know exactly what to ask for when you go to ask for a raise or negotiate for a new job that you're applying for. In today's episode, our guest felt the need to share what he was making publicly, and he did that on LinkedIn. He shares with us why and what happened as a result. Pay attention to his reason why, and we will discuss more after our conversation. Let me tell you a little bit about Pavel Martinez. He is a native New Yorker, a storyteller, and former tech executive. Throughout his career, he struggled balancing two jobs, tech employee and actor. As an actor, he would focus on assimilation because he was trained to believe that many parts of his identity were unprofessional. Babel would dedicate days out of the week to study white popular American culture and memorize scripts he would later use for work conversations. He knew that talking about Bad Bunny and shows like Insecure would not make him relatable. Instead, he would binge watch seasons of Riverdale since it would help him build relationships with colleagues and senior leaders. The assimilation became overwhelming, and it was at the expense of his identity and mental health. As a result, Babel's mission in life became redefining professionalism by empowering authenticity. In 2020, he launched Plural to bring his mission to life. Now let's go meet Babel. Welcome, Pavel. I am so thrilled to have you here. And I'm so glad that we've connected recently because we are both part of what's called Latino Pods. It's a podcasting network. So shout out to Rita Bautista and the Latino Pods and the Latino Podcaster Network. And I was really impressed with what you do, what you have accomplished. I'm just thinking, I believe you're a millennial. 
Yes. And so I'm just always super impressed with millennials and everything that they've done in such a short period of time, just because I'm thinking, goodness, it took me a lot longer (laughs) to get to what these millennials are doing and feels like in record time. So welcome. I am really, really excited to get to know you. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. I mean, her dinero matters. That word for me, dinero, is like the source of my ambition and also probably trauma. So I'm excited to talk about all those things. Well, I'm excited to dive in and see what we uncover here. So let's just start with going back in time. Tell us a little bit about your upbringing, the experiences and any lessons that you have had around money. For sure. So native New Yorker, I grew up in the Upper West Side of New York in a Dominican household. So I grew up with my grandparents and my mom. My dad was around financially. I think we tried to have a relationship early on. You know, nothing traumatic happened. He just he didn't live with us. So I grew up with my mom's side of the family. And if you know anything about New York, the Upper West Side is actually one of the most wealthiest zip codes in the country, which is fascinating because I grew up in the projects, in public housing. And it's this interesting dynamic because New York is always mentioned as a melting pot of cultures, but they often leave out the melting pot that is income. So in my building, public housing, full of poor people, including me. But I walked down the street and literally down the street lived Macaulay Culkin from Home Alone. Wow. So it was this dynamic of I'm living in poverty, but I can see wealth as soon as I leave my apartment. And how did that impact you? And if you think back to those days, what were some of those thoughts that you had as a kid? You- just seeing you walking in your building and then going across the street outside and seeing a shift in what you saw. What were some of those thoughts that came to mind? It was often ambitious. I remember actually like pretty often. And if you know, I'm going to throw out some avenues in New York. There's like Amsterdam and the Upper West Side. There's Broadway and then there's West End. And West End is very like traditionally like the best avenue. It's just full of brownstones like old money. I remember when I was younger, just like walking on West End specifically and just like looking around, almost like dreaming, like, oh, that's one day going to be me. So I always saw it as not jealousy, but more so just like ambitious. Like I was like, one day that's going to be me. And where do you think that came from? Was there something maybe in your family and maybe some of the conversations or is this just how Pavel is? I think my mom influenced me a ton in that regard. I remember conversations with her where I'd be like, oh, mom, can we get that new toy, for example? And she was like, oh, you know, I would, but like, I just can't right now. You know what I mean? And she always used that word like, or that phrase right now. She always be like, no, I'm going to get it just not right now. You know, probably in the sense of like saving up, right? But there was always like food on the table. There was always clothes. I never struggled necessarily in that way, but it was, it was just like these extra things that kids want. But I always heard her growing up sort of trying, not like get rich quick schemes, but like always Network thinking marketing, about. maybe. Well, she never got into like any MLMs or whatever they're called. But it was just always this like ambitious to make more money. And, you know, she taught me how to save and all these things. But I just would often hear my mom just talking about money. I love that because... I don't know if you know how her upbringing was, because a lot of us, I know for me, 
if I asked for something, it was like, we don't have the money. We can't yeah. afford this. And that was something that I think that is a continued cycle because I had to catch myself when my husband and I had kids to not say those things because it was something that was so ingrained in me that it felt so automatic. And so I'm wondering if your mom had a different upbringing or if her parents, if her family did the same thing in terms of being cautious as to what words they use in response to like maybe when she asks for something. Because for me, it was an automatic, we don't have the money, we can't afford this. But for her with you, it was later. Not right now, but maybe later, which is a huge shift. Because when you hear we can't afford it, we don't have the money, there's a lot of scarcity tied to that. But when you hear not right now, maybe later, there's that hope and there's not that scarcity attached to it. So I'm curious, do you know, in terms of her upbringing, has she shared anything by chance? Well, it's interesting because growing up, I wasn't really that close with my mom. Not necessarily like anything bad happened, but it was just a matter of like time. So my mom was working all day. So I was raised by my grandparents. Like they were the ones that, you know, my first language was Spanish. That was my grandma. Everything I know about the Dominican culture, my grandma, you know what I mean? Like abuela held it down. And then when my mom came after a long day of work, obviously like she's tired. Obviously she spent time with me and all those things. But it wasn't until a little bit later where I got to know my mom a little bit more. And I would ask her like very deep questions where I would gain a little bit of insight into her brain as to why, like how she spent money as well. Like, I understood, like, how she started prioritizing things. So for me, asking for, like, that extra toy, that extra T-shirt, she didn't necessarily rank that as high on the list compared to, like, an experience. So she would rather use that money to take me to Disney World or, like, to take me to Dominican Republic. Whereas for me, at the moment, I just wanted a toy. You know what I mean? <laughs> but I would ask her certain questions, like, as I learned more about my attachment style, my love language, I asked her one day, I was like, Mom, how did you love me? Growing up. And how old were you when you asked that? Oh, I, this was like two weeks ago. Okay, gotcha. Okay, I thought this was early on. I'm like, <laughs> he went deep early on. No, no, no. But it's interesting because I'm physical touch and quality time. But when I asked her that question, she almost got like insulted. She was like, what do you mean? I bought you all these things. I took you on all these trips. I did this, this and that. So it was like an insight into like, oh, maybe her love language is gift giving. I don't know what it is. But it was like interesting to get into her psyche around her priority list of like how to spend it. And you also, so that was one of the deep questions that you asked. And what other type of questions have you asked to get more of an insight on her? I'm, I'm curious, since you're the deep thinker here, it's obvious. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, ugh, as it relates to money, actually, one other question that I didn't ask her until I was like 30 because I never wanted to know was what happened with you and my dad mm. and speaking of money like he was there financially and the finances that he was able to provide gave me a lot of opportunities for example like i didn't go to public school because my dad was able to pay for catholic school there were a lot of just like things around the house that i'm sure i had access to because of the financial support that he was providing because think about it. It was my mom. She wasn't making more than $30,000 a year. And then my grandparents. And like to support, what, three people? It's not impossible, but it's very difficult to do. So insight into like, it wasn't just my mom that was supporting me growing up. Like my dad had a huge role. 
financially was another observation that I didn't necessarily realize how much it was until much later in life. Oh, my goodness. I am loving this. It's always fascinating to me how different each of us was brought up. I mean, we have some similarities, but it always makes sense because, for example, in talking to you and just the short time that I have gotten to connect with you and what you've shared about your upbringing, it makes sense just seeing how you carry yourself and what you do and your positivity. And yes, that deep thinker, I've seen that, especially with everything that you do. So it's always for me very, very fascinating how much of an impact that upbringing really has. So thank you for sharing that. Now, one of the things that I want to dive into is the topic of pay transparency. Last year around Latina Equal Pay Day, you shared your salary on LinkedIn. So I'm curious to know what drove you to share this information. If you can tell us a little bit about that and what resulted from sharing this information. It's fascinating, too, because as we talk about family dynamics and conversations that I had around money growing up, my mom on the side was a tax preparer during the tax season. So at an early age, I actually saw my mom doing side hustles, right, running her own business as well. And it's always funny because when tax season came around, I always was the first one. By the time people got their returns, I already spent mine months ago. You know what I mean? Because I just did it at home. That said, I received feedback or guidance from family to like after I got past six figures to stop doing taxes with my mom. And I was like, wait, why? And like my mom has never shown any indication of taking advantage of me or any of those sort of things. But it was just advice. And I took that advice. After I got six figures, she had no idea how much money I made. In fact, I like intentionally kept it a secret. And I took that advice and didn't share it with anybody. And I thought that was just like a really interesting with my mom. Right. To just hide something so simple as like how much money we make. And I realized that like even at work, when you get a job, they often tell you like, oh, don't share this level with anyone else. Don't tell anyone else how much money you make. It's almost like they force this secrecy. And I started thinking about who is this impacting? And I looked at, you know, Latino Equal Pay Day. Like, it's obviously women. Women get often paid less compared to their white male counterparts, underrepresented groups. And at the time when I posted my salary transparently, I was like, how can I contribute to this? In my specific role, I'm not a CEO. I'm not a CMO of where I was working. I was like, how about if I just like tell everyone how much money I made? Maybe it'll either inspire someone to get the job that I have. It will provide some representation for people to be like, yeah, people that look like me can make that amount of money. But three, I want people to be like, oh, shit, I got that same level of experience and I'm not making it. And I just really wanted to start a conversation around like, why aren't we talking about it more openly? And so what resulted? I'm curious, what were some of the comments in the conversation that you started? Was there some things that completely surprised you in those comments and the conversations that came about? So tell us a little bit about that. Yo, that post went viral. I'm talking about it had like 3 million views in a matter of like a couple days of, of wow. like a week. I think the reason for that is because if you think about salaries, right? And salary transparency, even when we do post our salaries on places, they're often anonymous. And you miss out on a lot of value when the shit is anonymous because I don't know if y'all ever been to an interview and like have shared Glassdoor estimates. 
I've had recruiters tell me, oh, take that with a grain of salt. It's self-reported. It's anonymous. Don't believe it. Anyone can write it. People almost mm-hmm. don't even believe it, right? So when you actually post it transparently, it's hard to be like, oh, that person's lying. Two things happen. Within the organization that I was working at, I was working at TikTok at the time, and there's like leadership, and then there's, let's say, individual contributors. Individual contributors, anywhere from HR to my team, everybody was like, yo, thank you so much. This is going to help me negotiate. I didn't realize how much I was being taken advantage of. This is within TikTok and outside. Leadership told me, you shouldn't have done that. Of course. You should have tried to handle this internally. And they essentially said, like, I'm worried for you. I'm worried for the impact that this is going to have on your career. But in reality, like, I think it was just going to make their job more difficult. Like, as they now have to rebudget and maybe pay some people accordingly. On the individual side, the interesting thing that happened was that people started sharing with me how much money they were getting paid. And then they realized that they were getting paid less. And a trend that I saw across the board were that women were getting paid less than men. Because it was this thing where within each organization, there were like pockets of people that started sharing salaries within themselves. And then they saw the gap within their own teams. You know what I mean? And one example that I can share is that I had a friend that interviewed at TikTok for a position very similar to mine. And that person went into the interview with the glass door information. The recruiter was like, no, this, we can't offer you that. They said we, they couldn't give her a signing bonus and some other stuff. And then she was like, all right, well, like, I have no choice but to reference Babel's post. So she referenced it. The recruiter said, let me get back to you. Came back with a 100K increase in the offer. That is awesome. Not her salary. 100K increase. That's the power of salary transparency. For those of you listening... There is what's called the National Labor Relations Act, the NLRA, where you have the right by law to discuss your wages. Now, granted, there are some groups that aren't covered. It does cover most private sector employers, but some groups like government and those type of groups are not covered. So just FYI, if you're in the private sector, you're most likely covered. But I wanted just to bring that up because that is important. I know employers don't want you to share because of what Bob said. That makes them do some more work restructuring the budget. But I haven't been in the nine to five in a very long time. But I remember there was one time, Pavel, where it was my first ever job out of college and this was not even 30K a year. And I was trying to negotiate. They wouldn't budge. This was a nonprofit sector. But FYI, some nonprofits have a lot of money, <laughs> but this one apparently didn't. And they wouldn't budge in terms of increasing my salary, but I was able to change the title, which made it more appealing and, and made it look good. But I'm always around negotiating. And also, With our community as Latinas, I think a part of it is that not necessarily confidence, but we have this cultural belief that we tenemos que estar agradecidos por lo que tenemos. We need to just be grateful for what we have. If we have a roof over our shoulder, why do we want more? And this feeling of guilt around if we ask for more, we're being greedy. But that's not the case. And have you seen that as well? I mean, that's the observation I make with our community through and through. 
Yeah, I hear that all the time. My mom says that to me every time I leave a job. She's like, wait, what? Things are going well. Like, why are you doing that? I think it's so interesting that you mentioned, though, that thought process around, like, even negotiating, right? Because the idea is you are transparent within your friends group. You find out you get underpaid. And then the idea is, like, you're going to talk to HR and negotiate. But I always tell people, too, like, you could also just leave. (laughs) Yeah. But now you have the information to make that decision because often HR, whoever it is, they're going to tell you they can't do it. They're going to tell you you got to wait for your next cycle. Okay, that's fine. You can wait or you can just leave. But at least you have the information now to go out and make that decision. It's interesting. Like something else that I heard is, oh, don't do that. Don't share your salary because people are going to get jealous. They're going to get emotional. They're going to get envious. I even heard like someone's going to show up to your doorstep and rob you. (laughs) Like someone said all those things. But I was like, I can't control the envy or the jealousy or the things. And like, I think we often go towards those negative emotions. You should see the inspirational messages that I got in my inbox. Some Latino kid, I think he was Dominican, literally wrote in my inbox, like, I didn't know someone that looked like me can make that amount of money. Before we jump into today's content, keep your ears peeled for a unique reveal I'll be sharing midway through the show. It's something special just for you. That's hope. Like, why do we focus on the negative emotions that come out of this? There's so much positivity that comes from transparency. Oh, absolutely. And I can't agree more. Now, since you have left, because since you shared that post, you left your job and now you're a business owner. Now, if you hadn't left your job and you were still there at TikTok, and just in retrospect, would you do anything differently in sharing your salary, whether I don't know if there was some negativity. I'm sure there was some that came across. Or would you do it exactly the same? Or would you change something else for it to have more impact? I don't know. Just some thoughts. I would not have changed a thing. And it's funny because that post, it's not like I was planning it for months or days. Like I just woke up that morning and I was like, oh, today's Latino Eagle Pay Day? Oh, let me just do a post and let me do this. And like I stayed there for months after. Like I was there for a year. I think I made that post like pretty early on in my time there. So it's not like I made it and then just left immediately. No, like I stood there with all those emotions and the anxieties and the fear. And I didn't know what was going to happen to my career or my job. But I just said, the impact that this will make is going to be bigger. And like worst case scenario, if I do get fired for this, I'll just get another job elsewhere. Hey, that's how you have to think. Now, I'm curious, since that post, have you seen more paid transparency posts of people sharing publicly what they made? Do you think there has been an increase in the past few years or what have you observed? I have seen some change. I don't think people are necessarily taking the approach that I did when it comes to just posting out on LinkedIn. But I have seen from a federal level or even like a state level, some states implementing laws when it comes to salary transparency. New York passed one. And I think it's going to get implemented in November. It was supposed to be implemented this summer, but I think they kept pushing it back. But they're requiring job posts for people hiring in New York to have a salary range included. Mm. I think that is a step forward. And New York State isn't going to be the first one to do it. Colorado has actually had that implemented for a while. What's fascinating is that when Colorado did implement that, there was a huge exodus in the amount of companies hiring in Colorado specifically. Also, if you even look up like on any job website and you look up remote positions, you'll see that they're hiring everywhere besides certain states. And those states are the ones that have, from my understanding at least, I could be wrong, I'm not in HR, but from my understanding, 
And the way that it was explained to me is that those specific states like Colorado, they'll, they'll be like hiring everyone in the U.S. besides Colorado is because of those salary transparency laws. Interesting, because if they would, I would be fascinated to see with the, the statistics within the state of Colorado, within the gender wage gap, like how that has shifted because of those ranges that they publish. That would be fascinating to me, but I don't think they have that data if, they, if a lot of companies are hiring from outside of Colorado. That would be amazing. Now, if someone listening right now has maybe shared their pay like you did, but maybe they had a negative experience or maybe they're wanting to share you know, do some uh, paid transparency post. What are some tips or guidance that you have for them? If they want to do a paid transparency post? Yes, especially if they're fearing. Maybe they're just fearing, but they want, they're inspired by you or they feel like that it's very important to do because of the reasons that we've discussed, but something's holding them back. Again, fear getting fired from the job, whatever that may be. Do you have any tips or maybe guidance or inspiration or motivation? (laughs) Yeah, a few things. I would say I'm not going to necessarily encourage people to post their salary transparently on LinkedIn. Like, don't take my same approach, but do start thinking about why you don't talk about salary openly with everyone else. Just start thinking about and asking those questions. Like, and to your point, like, oh, well, it's because of fear. All right, what do I fear? And start with your friends group. Like, don't start on social media with millions of people like I did. Because the anxiety that I had for that whole week, (laughs) I didn't poop for a whole week. That's how much anxiety I had. I do not recommend doing that. What I do recommend is like literally starting with your friend group, starting with your family. Mom, how much money did you make at your peak? Abuelo, abuela, dad, aunt, anybody, right? And start with your friends. Be like, yo. I want to level us up, all of us. Like, this is our year. And I want to, this is how much money I make. Do y'all make more? All right. Oh, you make less? Let me help you. Oh, you make more? How can you help me, right? And help each other out. Because it's not just about bragging about how much money I make. It's literally about trying to uplift our community to get to the level that I'm at financially. And the people that are above me, like, help me get to your level. It's about pulling each other up. Especially in our communities, I think it's important because when I think about my husband and I had this discussion, and my husband's Black, he's African-American, and we had this discussion of his mom uh, retiring, and she worked in an office where there were mainly whites and her. And so she went to retire, and some people were retiring around the same time, but the retirement look different for them. And why is that? Because maybe the others received some help or guidance that maybe she didn't. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's important. I know it's a reason why you do what you do, why I do what I do, is that unfortunately, we need to help each other. I know my husband as a Black officer in the U.S. Air Force with there's very little black officers in the military, they support each other. Mm-hmm. They get together. And like you said, Pavel, yes, I agree. Maybe not necessarily do a post <laughs> and have the anxiety like Pavel did, but have those conversations. And that is a money conversation. The more you have these conversations, start where you're most comfortable. And the more you have these conversations, the more confident you will be and not necessarily sharing your pay, but just in yourself and in your finances, period. And it also 
especially having those conversations around our community or people of color, I think it helps to give uplift and show what is possible because we need more examples. Mm -hmm. So I think that's important. And I'm glad that you shared those tips. Thank you. Now, I want to know about the story behind plural. Did I pronounce it right? Yeah, plural, plural. Well, I'm curious to know the story behind the name and how this came to be. How did you envision plural? Yeah, so for me, I mean, even thinking about my last job at TikTok, I was making around 300000 And to get to that point, yeah, I had some difficult jobs, but the most difficult part for me was balancing this idea of like authenticity versus professionalism. Because if you look at a lot of these spaces, a lot of people don't look like me in these spaces. Like it's mostly white men. And in order to succeed in advance for most of my career, like I was a full-time employee, but I was also a full-time actor because I would go into these spaces and literally put on this completely different persona just to be able to feel accepted and avoid the racism and the microaggressions and the harassment. So I want to show people that you don't have to let go of your identity to be successful. You can have both. It's not just about the singular version of yourself. I think I started doing my best work when I started bringing all parts of my identity to it. Hence, plural, more than one. (laughs) Now I get it. Now I feel fulfilled. I'm like, I understand the story. I love it. And you also have a podcast called Quien Tu Eres, where you basically shared with me that with the interviews, you draw a lot of information and research from those interviews. What for you up to date has been some of the biggest learnings? I'm shocked every time I have a conversation with someone and they're like relatively a stranger. It's not like I grew up with any of these people. Like a lot of these people I DM on LinkedIn, someone introduced me to them and you'd be shocked, you'd be surprised. Like every single episode, someone is like, yo, I've never said this story publicly. I've never said this out loud. And there's so many things around professionalism that we've been trained to believe that we have to do. And a lot of these experiences, workplace, they often go untold. Even things like salary transparently. Again, if that's told, it's told anonymously. The harassment, the microaggressions, the racism, we're not going to tell that to HR because we're scared that they're not going to do anything and then we're going to get labeled as something. We don't tell our family because we don't want to let them down. We don't tell our friends because they're not going to understand. Like I remember when I was working at Facebook, I could only talk to my friend at Google. Because every other friend would have been like, shut up. Like, you get free breakfast, lunch, and dinner. What are you complaining about? You know what I mean? It's just a different level depending on, like, what type of job you have, too, right? So I would often only trauma bond with my friend at Google. Be like, oh, shit, did this happen to you, too? I really want to shed light on these untold stories and experiences, rather, so that people know that they're not alone. Because I spent most of my career thinking that I was the only one going through something. Also, if you look at the data, this says... 76% of Latinos in the U.S. suppress parts of their identity. That's three out of four of us. And we all do it at some point, and then we stop. Whether it's in your 30s, 40s, 50s, I want to cut that time in half if I could. I want to show you representation that lets you know that you could be yourself and be successful. That's what I want to do. And I think you're doing a great job with it, Pavel. I really, really appreciate you and the example that you're setting, the leadership that you're setting for others and in our community. Thank you so much for joining me today, for everything that you shared. This was amazing. Thank you. 
Oof, that was a lot there. Even though we are making some progress when it comes to getting rid of that taboo, that comes with talking about money, that comes with talking about what we're getting paid, we are still a ways away. I strongly feel that having that transparency helps us all, and it also keeps employers accountable. Am I right? I really appreciated learning the why of Pavel sharing his salary. It wasn't about him sharing how much he made, but it was more about uplifting others. It was about contributing to the conversation of equal pay, especially Latina equal pay. And yes, we definitely need that. I am curious, though, if you personally have talked about your pay transparently. And if so, what has been your experience? Has it been similar to Pavels, let me know by sending me a direct message on Instagram or email me at jen at jenhempel.com. You can connect with Pavel over at Plural, which is spelled P-L-U-R-A-W-L on TikTok, Instagram, or YouTube. And we will make sure to link those links in today's show notes. Maybe after listening to Pavel, you are inspired. Maybe not to share your pay publicly or with coworkers, but you're feeling inspired at that. You also know, though, you are lacking some confidence when it comes to finances, when it comes to talking money, when it just comes to money, period. If that is you, I have got you. My daily Dinero ritual will teach you what actions you need to take to make sure your money confidence grows from a zero to a 10. And it's free. You can grab it at jenhempill.com forward slash ritual. That is jenhempill.com forward slash ritual. Next week is the start of November, which also kicks off the holiday season, a time where we gather with families. So for this next solo episode, I'm going to share with you some tips on how to talk money with your family. And I'm not just talking about your household. As Latinos, family is everything. So how do we navigate dealing with our own households, goals, and challenges? Maybe we're dealing with paying off debt, but maybe we're also feeling that pressure to help financially with our aging parents or another family member who's in need. So how do you navigate these conversations? I have got this covered in next week's episode. Bueno pues, that is everything. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to tune into the show. Be sure to check out the show notes over at jenhempill.com forward slash 327. That's jenhempill.com forward slash 327. Remember that being the reina of your money starts now simply by claiming it. I believe in you and so should you. Nos hablaremos el próximo jueves. Chao.